The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to another episode of Get Paid, your one-stop shop for all things fantasy, gambling, and daily fantasy. We are proud partners of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. You can also pick us up on Podcast One. You are listening, as usual, to Sean, Ryan, and Brad. Brad, how you doing, man? Good evening, brother. Hey, so uh, I heard uh, heard you had a nice little party weekend this weekend. Yeah, well, little is the wrong way to describe it. <laughs> How, like, I saw I saw some pictures on Facebook. So, like, a, a kind of a mutual friend of me and Brad, but down in Florida, so I wasn't able to go. But uh, I believe it was turning forty. Was that what it was? Yep, big four zero, baby. Yeah, First so, one of us to turn, really. Yeah, I know, right? So I'm only uh, I'm only going to turn the three seven this year. You're a little bit ahead of me, right? How old are you going to be this year? I'm going to turn thirty eight in a couple okay. months. There you go. So, oh yeah, like July ish, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, uh, so anyway, we're, we're, hey man, we've been talking about uh, Vegas. That'd be a good early birthday if we can get out there in June and uh, and do some stuff. That would stuff. be fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I know we got that in the uh, in the plans. But yeah, man, I, I I saw some of the pictures on like Facebook and stuff, but I didn't see anything later than like eight or nine p.m. So I'm thinking things got probably crazy after that. A couple people fell down. That's for sure. <laughs> and I'm proud to say I was not one of them. <laughs> really. Now that yeah. that is um, that's a bet I would not have won. Let me just yeah, say that. Sure, for sure, <laughs> I wouldn't even have put money on myself. <laughs> you know, I still have vivid memories. I believe it was, uh, I believe it was the NFC Championship, Green Bay, New York. Tom Coughlin with the with the tomato cheeks. It was that cold yeah. night, and like I think I think Rocco had to peel you up off the so uh, off the sofa because you were drinking vodka and water all night. Uh, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like you would remember. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm fully willing to admit that that happened, but I don't know. <laughs> All right. Very good. So uh, today we're talking about um, NFC East. We're also going to have uh, Baseball Llama on talking about um, you know some, some MLB. I think we're doing uh, National League West um, with the uh, with the Baseball Llama uh, a little bit later in the show. But Brad, let's talk about football as we always do. I want to do a little bit of that NFC East kind of review, kind of what happened, what we thought. Um, uh, but before we get into that, so some news hit like literally right after the show posted last week. Um, it's a little bit of old news, but I do want to address it with you. Flacco going to Denver. Um, the trade can't be finalized until the league year starts on March, I think, 14th. But what do you think, man? How do you think of the fit? Um, what do you think for the Ravens? What do you think for the Broncos? Do you think anybody won or lost? Do you even care? Uh, well, I, I don't really care as much as, you know, because we do the podcast, right? I mean, it, yeah. that's AFC, that's AFC uh, North stuff. And, you know, we're NFC guys. I know I am for sure. But um, I, I do think that... I think the Denver Broncos did win, and I think that's an upgrade for them. And uh, I I like Flacco, and I I assume he's got at least one to two years left in him of high productivity. Um, And I think that going with Lamar Jackson is not going to work out well for Baltimore. What are your thoughts? Well, I I think I know where you're going to go. So let me me just say, do I think that the Broncos upgraded – I don't, you know, I don't know. It's hard. I, I, I was a little bit higher um, when we did our previews of the AFC North, and we'll talk about this a little bit later when we actually get to that division for the reviews. But I was a little higher on the Ravens because I felt like throughout training camp, like Flacco looked as sharp as I had ever seen him. Um, right. I mean, he was throwing BBs. He was on target. He was on time. He gets injured. Uh, Lamar Jackson takes over, goes six and one as a starter. Baltimore's ready to move on. Um, now, getting back to your point, Brad, do I do I love it? I, 
you know, look, man, as a Redskins fan back in the day, um, which as our listeners know, I've distanced myself from that fandom, but you know, I lived through RG three. Um, that was kind of the last, um, the last hurrah for me being just a diehard Redskins fan. You know, it was like that 25 to 30 years, that whole RG three to cousins thing was such a mess. And I'm just like, I've had enough of Dan Snyder. Um, but the one thing I did, um, you know, run through, and it's the thing that you and I would always argue about is RG three as a quarterback, he was really dynamic with his legs, but once he started taking a beating in the NFL, like, and once the legs have, have been taken away, what are you? Are you a pure well, listen, passer? I mean, we've seen this time and again. We've seen it over and over. And it's like, how many examples of this do we need before we realize that's not the formula for winning in this league? Now, you can, it can be exciting, and maybe that's what they're going for, you know, because you want your franchise to be exciting. But, you know, everyone likes to point to Russell Wilson. He is by far the exception to the rule Mm -hmm. and he uses his legs um, optimally and uh, more brilliantly than anyone ever has. Right. It's almost like a last ditch effort and he, he never takes a hit. He never takes. That's the thing. Right. Right. And and the other one I would point to is Cam Newton. Right. But Cam Newton is literally just a tank with a helmet. Sure. Sure. He's another outlier. He's, he's humongous. Even even early Ben Roethlisberger would scramble a little bit and they stopped it. Um, and Ben Roethlisberger, to his credit, developed as as a passing quarterback. And Russell Wilson, I think, is in that you know in that mid development, right? He still uses his feet, but to your point, he never takes a hit. The never. one thing that, like I, I to the, to my dying day, I will say that coming out of the NFL drafts, I still feel like RG three was the better, let's say, prospect. Right? He had a higher ceiling um, physically. I think he had a stronger arm. I can't, don't quote me on that, but I think he had a stronger arm. I mean, he could throw for miles, but the thing about RG3 coming out of college was that th- there were there were two things. It was like, one, how quickly could he develop as a pocket passer? Right. And the other one was, you know, can you limit the hits? And the thing that RG3 would drive me crazy, and, it, and any Redskins fans out there that live through that era of, of Washington will know this. RG3 would take the play because he was so competitive. He would take the play down to the very last millisecond and take a hit. Even if he got rid of the ball, he would take a nasty hit and you can't do that. And it cost them because the Redskins, I'm telling you that Redskins, um, when uh, um, RG3 was playing against the Seahawks in that playoff game against Russell Wilson, it was the rookie season. Shanahan had that, Shanahan had that, um, that offense dialed up. Like they came out and they were punching Seattle in the face. Then RG three scrambled. I think he got sacked. His his leg hurt. They left him in the game when they shouldn't have, um, and it was over from there. And then Seattle, you know, was able to come back and win that game. But if they could just, I don't know, keep him a little bit safer, RG three. I think they could have. I I don't think it ever would have worked because RG 3s personality was such that he always wanted to be. You know, he was just too competitive. You know, he always felt like he could take the hit and bounce up. Well, now listen. So Lamar, Lamar Jackson's very young, right? And he's skinny. And, and yeah, okay. And so those both of those things are going to change, I'm assuming. And when you're new to the league and it's super fast and you've never seen anything like that, you know, it doesn't take any time for legs to develop. They're there, right? So so maybe he goes to them a little quicker early on. But he's going to have to develop that pocket game. Absolutely. He's going to have to do it rather quickly. Otherwise, he will not survive. It's been proven. Um, it needs to happen fast. So maybe they think he's capable. They must. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't disagree with the idea of moving on from Flacco. And everybody thought that um, or projected that Baltimore would cut Flacco because they weren't going to carry his 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 thing. So when I look at the trade, I think well, Baltimore got something for somebody that they weren't 
going to get anything for. So good for them, right? Um, and I'll say for Baltimore, and, and we'll talk about this you know, throughout the offseason and stuff when we get to it, but what I do like about Baltimore's situation is that they hired Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator, and Roman was the guy that um, was the offensive coordinator behind those 49ers teams when Kaepernick was playing as kind of the running, throwing mm-hmm. quarterback, and he was the, the coordinator in Buffalo when Terod Taylor was having nice seasons in Buffalo. Um, or his better seasons there. So like Roman is a, is a coordinator that, you know, kind of understands the limitations of, you know, maybe a quarterback that is still developing that passing game Mm -hmm. and he'll build an offense. I think the, I think the Ravens will be a successful team, but it's all about like how long can he, can Lamar Jackson stay healthy? And that's the way it was with the Redskins. It's like RG three has sprinter speed at quarterback. We had never seen anything like it. Like he was running away from defensive backs and safeties, like running away from them. And then, you know, I, yeah, go ahead. And I was going to say, when he blew his knee out, that speed, that just that insane, like what we've never seen before, speed went away, and he was like human. It was like you know, Superman without his cape or something. You know, I just wanted to say, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but uh, the Ravens—they're a pretty successful franchise, don't you think? Oh yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, they're they're quite impressive, and they have been for. I don't know, since since 2000, maybe, maybe 99. Right. I mean, it's like it's like you they've never been 14 and two. okay, and they've never been the Patriots and maybe they're not even the Steelers, but they're always right up there. And and even on a down season, they're in it in the last down season. They're like a tough nine and seven. Right. 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 It's really phenomenal. They're almost like the other side of like the Dolphins coin. The Dolphins are always like uh, they're always in it to about week fourteen, week yeah, fifteen, but very like yeah seven and nine, and and yeah. the, the Ravens are on the other side of that one, so it's just good for them. You yeah, know? great for them. Yeah, yeah, and maybe maybe they see something in this kid, and they they he shows promise. And another thing too, uh, another thing just for the you know in the Ravens corner here is that getting rid of the Flacco salary. Right? Like the the argument is always you know you have two paths to a Super Bowl. You have world beating quarterback, um, or you have you know average quarterback that can get you first downs, but like world beating defense. Like you you take yeah. that you take that extra ten to fifteen million dollars a year and you throw it somewhere else. So you have Lamar Jackson on a rookie contract now. I think for another four years. I think and that may be great for them. Right, and that's where that's when the Seahawks were the best. When Wilson was still on his rookie right, contract, right. that's when the Ravens won their Super Bowl. When Flacco was hit on his rookie quarterback um, contract, so you know I think it could work. Like the, the Rams were seeing it now. Golf is still in that window. Um, if I was L.A., I would wait. I would wait as long as I could possibly wait to extend him because. Look, I mean, you open Super Bowl windows with financial flexibility as well. And uh, Golf yeah. isn't to me. He's not at the let's say Tom Brady, Drew Brees level where he's just, you right. know, you know, he's not at that. But maybe but soon, maybe soon. Maybe, maybe, you know, Big Vay, that, that relationship, that'll certainly help. And, uh, you know, kind of getting his, uh, his butt handed to him in the Super Bowl in the Belichick defense, both of them, I should say, um, Goff and McVay. I think that can only help that franchise, frankly. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Hey, man, like three years ago, do you think anybody would have been saying, oh, yeah, Rams are going to play Patriots in 2019 or 2018? No, no it turned around just like turned that. Turned around quickly. So, yeah, I mean, definitely. And I like that I, th- I like that Ravens team, like you said, man. They have a good they good foundation. Now they have a lot more cap money, so good for them. For the Broncos, I don't know how much of an upgrade Flacco is over Keenum. I mean, like, I think he is an upgrade. Don't get me wrong, but, like, what does he give you? Does he give you an extra 5%? And is that worth the money? Does he give you an extra 20%? I don't know that it's that high. You know? Yeah. Like if you were to rank quarter, and maybe we should do this for an episode, Brad. If you were to rank quarterbacks, do you think you would have 
like Flacco in the top 10? Probably not, right? No, but I definitely wouldn't have Keenum in the top 10. Right. So like maybe in the top 20, you probably wouldn't. I'm guessing you wouldn't have Keenum in the top 20. Maybe Flacco gets in. He sneaks in that you know backside of the fifteen. I, like I do think it's an upgrade. I don't think the upgrade's dramatic, but you know if you can make an improvement at the most important position, then yeah. got to do that. Yeah, I just wonder about the finances, and I guess we'll learn a little bit more as we go on. But uh, interesting trade, though. Yeah, more interesting that they did it a month before they're even allowed to trade. <laughs> yeah, how they manage that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like I hope somebody comes in there and just like I hope Jacksonville comes in there and be like, "Oh, what did uh, what did Denver offer you? You know what? We'll give you a second rounder." I know they won't do that, but that see, be now fun. that would have been perfect for Jacksonville. I know, I know. I was ex- yeah. I was assuming Jacksonville was going to make a run for him, so I was a little disappointed because I like it when Jacksonville is a little because they have a nice defense. They just need yeah, somebody to control the ball. I do too. I do too. Yeah. Anyway, so let's talk about the uh, NFC East, kind of what happened the 2018 season. So when we did our preview, I think, Brad, you and I kind of were together on, on it. I think, you know, we thought that Philly, Dallas would be, you know, battling for playoff position. Um, I think, I don't, I, I might be wrong on this, Brad, but I think you thought um, along with me that Washington would finish third and the Giants would be a, a, a solid four, but maybe a more distant four. Um, and, uh, you know... The the season kind of went according to plan, what, right. you know, from what I saw. The surprise to me initially was Philadelphia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wentz started the year. It, what concerned me about them, I think, is that, um, you know, Wentz comes back and he didn't really look like he did from the Wentz of last year, right? He did not, right? I mean, maybe he came back a little early. Do you think that was the, the narrative of the whole thing? I mean... It, they didn't run as smooth with Wentz as they did with uh, Foles Magic. With Foles, yeah, with <laughs> Foles Magic. Yeah, so I'm looking at their schedule. They started, let's see, one and one. They started four and six. That was tough. And then they went on a run at the end. One, two, right. three, four, five. Five and one to end the season. And a lot of those games Foles was playing. Yeah, right. Um, and they handled the Rams. They beat the Rams. They beat the Texans, who was a playoff team. Right. Beat the Redskins twice. Those were gimmies because I don't think Alex Smith was playing at that point. And beat the Giants, who the Giants were actually playing pretty good at that point. Um, yeah, they got a little well. better late in the year. Yeah. So, like like you said, I mean, I think Foles was playing better. I, what worries me about Philadelphia at this point, you know, Wentz has come out and said, yeah, you know what, I need to be a better teammate, which to me gives a little bit of credence to some of the reports that we had heard, like the sure. drama about like him playing favorites with a few of his players and all that. I think the team just liked Foles better, and they wanted to too. play harder for him, right? Yeah, yeah, I do too. And and he seems like a very likable guy. It's not that Wentz doesn't seem like that, but uh I mean even for me when I see Foles playing, I'm like, I like this team. I like this guy. I want them to win. You know, and I'm sure that I'm sure his teammates feel the same way. Well, I don't think that, but <laughs> You don't think what? I was going to say I I don't like Foles. I don't I don't want the Eagles to win, but I was, no, I was just kidding. I don't really care that much. Well, um, you know, when when the Packers were out of it, I was like, "Hey, if I'm going to want anybody to win, it's the Nick Foles led Eagles." Carson Wentz led Eagles, I load. Oh, really? Foles, yeah, but when Foles is in there, I'm I'm on board, man. You love you some Foles magic, man. I do, I do. He looks like, uh, you know. Gilbert, no, that was Keenum, right? Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. Keenum, Gilbert Godfrey. He looks like, what's, what's that guy's name from that stupid-ass movie there? <laughs> yeah, uh, George Clooney. <laughs> Napoleon Bonaparte or something like that. Oh, Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah. He looks yeah. like the dude from that? He does. He, just, he does he looks look like, like that. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like Napoleon Dynamite. Where's Pedro? He does for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna vote for Pedro out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the dumbest movie I ever saw? 
I didn't get the appeal to that one. Yeah, I never really. I, I don't know. Like, I didn't it, understand it. Yeah, I don't understand. It. Like, it, it immediately caught cult status, and you went there, and you're just like, yeah, everybody else is laughing. Why am I? Why am I laughing? I about know this? exactly. You know, I'd rather just watch episodes of Seinfeld. Well said. Yeah, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Yeah, so Philly, you know, I, I I will commend them from coming back and, you know, kind of shaping up at the end of the season and kind of eking their way back in their way into the playoffs. And they were a team that nobody wanted to play. They were, they probably should have been in the NFC Championship. Yeah, I mean, uh, what's his name there? Ashon Jeffrey, he, you know, that ball just goes through his hands. Like, uh, gosh. I still can't even believe it to this day. And he's phenomenal. And he it was is. just one of those, it was like, it was so fluky. You could you had to feel bad for him because that just doesn't happen, and for some reason it did in that moment. And if it hadn't, you'd have to believe they're playing in that NFC Championship because Foles was sprinkling in his little fairy dust out there, <laughs> <laughs> prancing around, flying, prancing around, flying with the yeah, Eagles, man. He was. Let me look at the uh, let me look at the offensive numbers here. Oops, I'm looking at defense. Let me look at offense. So the Eagles, where did they actually finish up in terms of total offense? They were 14th. And that kind of, that doesn't shock you, right? I mean, they just kind of like ended up, they, they just felt average all year and then got hot when they needed to, but got hot at right. the end of the year. Once Foles got in there, I don't know. I don't know. Let's start talking. Let's talk about Dallas. I'm going to meanwhile, while I'm here, I'm going to look into uh, the, um, the, the difference between Foles and Wentz in terms of quarterback rating and all that stuff. Oh, gosh, I'm on ESPN, the stupid key BR, the ESPN mm. key BR. You remember that when Dilford created that garbage? Yeah, well, you know what? I actually like it better because it's out of 100, but that's just something I was about never that. good with fractions. Yeah, <laughs> something about that makes my OCD brain very pleased. But yeah, I agree, like, actually. I mean, it, why would 158.3 be the best rating? It's kind of goofy, right? Yeah, I know. But, but yeah, I mean, they tend not to use that anymore. Or is ESPN still trying to ride that one? Oh, yes, I think ESPN's riding that one pretty hard. Also, I kind of liked it because they took they took other things into account, like uh, I don't know, importance of the down. You know, like they they found a way to measure like a third and eight in the first quarter is not as important as a third and eight in the fourth quarter down two. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they they found a way to measure all those variables. I thought that was cool. You know the um, as the story goes, when Dilfer first you know put this thing together, um, they the the ESPN stat guys ran you know ran it throughout the history of all time. You know who the number one QBR quarterback of all time was? Mm. Charlie Batch. Oh, so wow. yeah, so ESPN then went back and kind of put some more rules behind it just to try to even it out and and get the spirit. Yeah, well, of what that's not a good for. sign. <laughs> no, no, it's not. That is not a good sign. Everything I said, take it back. <laughs> yes. I didn't know that. That changes everything. You know what, Actually, Brad? I, can we just cut the past two and a half. No, no, no. That one I'm going to keep in the podcast. I really just I, I need to set up because you did so well in the playoffs. You beat me in the playoff uh, against the spread. Then I need to bring the viewer or the listeners back into back into thinking that I'm the smarter one. Well played. Well played. Yeah. What an idiot, Brad. Walked right in. <laughs> Anyway, so I'm looking at uh, quarterback rating. So, you know, Wentz had a 69.6 completion percentage, um, 21 TDs to seven interceptions. That's a lot better than I would have thought, frankly. Um, yeah, me too, but but it, they weren't winning. It's weird. I know, I, mean, I know. It's like Rodgers had a great year statistically, right? I mean, what yeah. did he throw? Two picks. Yeah. Uh, and 30 touchdowns, 30-ish, 20-ish. No, it was 26, stuff. yeah. That's freakish stuff, but... They didn't win very much, you know. So I, I don't know how that can happen. Yeah, you get, um, you get the Eagles five and six with Wentz as a starter, sixty nine percent completion, twenty one to seven in terms of, uh, 
uh, touchdown. So it's a, a nice, healthy three to one touchdown to uh, yeah, to interception. That's, phenomenal. that's nice. Quarterback rating of 102. Then you have Foles, who is four and one as a starter, 72 percent completion, which is great. But his uh, touchdowns were seven to four. I think another thing that happened with the Eagles, though, not a uh, you know we're we're taking that into context, is they also had um, kind of a resurgence in the running game when Ajayi went down earlier in the season. You know, it just they needed to to react to it, and they got that guy Josh Adams, um, mm-hmm. kind of like I a like rookie on here. Yeah, and I'm looking at his numbers now: four point three yards per carry, hundred and twenty attempts, uh, five eleven yards, three touchdowns. Uh, but he could catch the ball out of the backfield. They didn't use him so much. They they kind of went to a two back thing with you know Smallwood or Clement or you know Sproles. They actually had like a six a six running back by committee, um, which is really hard to keep track of from a fantasy point of view. But Josh Adams was carrying it though, man. He looked good. Yeah, I, I like him. He, he seems. Uh, I mean, I don't know his stats or anything, but he seemed like he was a tall guy, and. Uh... He must be like six two, six three. I don't know. He looked impressive to me. Maybe like a Ryan Grant back in the day type. Kinda, yeah, yeah. He kind of, he kind of did have that same type of movement and flow. But he, he appealed to me, man. He appealed. To, you liked the cut of his jib. I did. Yeah, yeah I liked right. his aura. <laughs> No. Uh, all right, let's move to Dallas. So Dallas, um, you know, it was a it was an interesting kind of season for them because they looked like they were heading right toward the towards the dumpster. It, you know, I think uh, I was seeing a lot on social media about Dallas fans like saying, "Well, silver lining, we finally get rid of Garrett after this." Um, you know, they make an aggressive move, they get Amari Cooper in, and that team, dude, like when they got Amari Cooper, that team just turned it around. I'm looking now. So they started the year three and five. Uh, they had lost to the Titans. And then they went on a run. Oh my gosh! They finished ten and six, so they finished seven and one. <laughs> can I can I just say this? Yeah, uh, Dallas may be the only team in professional sports that are far more interesting when they stink. You know, it's like if they're bad, like all we want to do is talk about them. What's wrong going on in Dallas? It's a really bizarre thing. As soon as they start winning, they're not as fun. Is this just my opinion, or am that's I, a very am I crazy? that's the first time I've heard that? But I think you're exactly right. Um, and I don't know what creates that. It's maybe they're like the evil empire with Jerry Jones there, and 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 evil might be the wrong word because I think he's well liked. You know, well, I I'll say let me let me throw another one at you um, because we haven't seen it over the course of even a half season in our lifetimes at this point, Brad. But when the Patriots come to a slow start in the season or they have a bad three game stretch, then that's all we hear about is is Brady done. So this I think is true. This is true. That right? might, but it, yeah, yeah. I think the country really likes it when Dallas stinks, though. You they know? are a polarizing team, right? They are, and the media just loves. They love to talk about it when Dallas is struggling. I became far less interested in that team once they once they started rolling, and, and I can't believe it would just be me. Yeah, you know, and and maybe it was the style they play because they're kind of winning. You know, they don't have the quarterback that can just light it up. You know. As much as we want, as as much as we want, like Dak Prescott to be Russell Wilson, he's not quite there yet. Um, he's not that engaging as a quarterback. He wasn't using his legs, so that and, and which I I'm not ever going to criticize a quarterback for trying to throw it from the pocket ever because that's what you should be doing. But sure. you know, I think you know since he's not quite there yet as a as a as a pocket quarterback, I do think he could try to do the Russell Wilson thing. And they have a similar skill set. Um, I'm looking at the the close of the year. The one thing about Dallas is. You know, from a betting point of view, I didn't like them on the road, but I'm also looking back at their road schedule when they started that three and five run. They had they had Carolina to start the season on the road, which Carolina, you know, 
sometimes you get a Super Bowl team, sometimes you get an 0-16 team. Just depends yeah, on who shows up. Right, right. Uh, but Carolina's always strong at home. Then they had the Seahawks, who we know was strong um, at that point. Um, a full-strength Seahawks, I might add. Um, what's his face? The uh, the safety there. Um, for crying out loud, I can't remember his name. But the... Uh, the guy who went to Texas. I, I know his college, but for some reason I can't get there. But anyway, he was there. Uh, the Houston Texans at um, on the road uh, was a tough one. The Redskins, they lost, but that's when they still had Alex Smith, at quarterback, and they lost you very close about Chancellor? Games. No, not Chancellor, the other one. For some reason, I got Holmes like in my head. Earl um, Thomas? Earl Thomas, yeah. Like Holmes uh-huh. was just stuck in my head for some reason, yeah. Yep, so Earl Thomas was still there. Um they had Tennessee at home. They lost two, which is a weird loss. And then, then boom, 7-1 and one after that. Um, and that helps, man. When they got uh, Cooper back, uh, you know, they finally had a, a, a viable wide receiver to throw to. And I'd say a drama-free wide receiver to throw to because, you know, the team played a little bit better when um, what's-his-face is there, the uh, the distraction, Brad Bryant, Des Bryant. Oh, but yeah, yeah. That was addition by subtraction, truthfully, because. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, he man, that guy's no one gets along with that guy. Yeah, but your point though about Dallas being more interesting. The only other thing I can think of, besides, I think instead of team, it's more player. Because the Patriots, they're always talking about is Brady done when that happens, mm-hmm. and um, the only thing I could equate to is maybe like if LeBron's teams are losing, they talk about hey, what's wrong with? Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, that's a good point. Yeah, but not a full team like the Cowboys. It's like it doesn't matter. Who's there? They just are like, hey, yes, you it know, doesn't matter who's on the Cowboys. It's just more interesting when they're garbage. Yeah, let me look or through. Or underperforming, rather. Yeah. I'm looking through uh, Dak's stats. So they actually rounded out really nice by the end of the year. 67% completion percentage, which is nice. 22 touchdowns to eight interceptions. So not quite a three mm-hmm. to one, but still pretty damn good. It's over, mm-hmm. well over a two still for pretty one. Pretty good. Um, uh, let's see. They don't have, where's the fumbles lost for Mr. Pre- uh, 12 fumbles. Put it on the ground twelve times. That's not gonna. That's not gonna do well. Uh, the thing I think it took Zeke Elliott a while to get going. Uh, he ended up with fourteen hundred yards at the end of the year, which is nice, but only six rushing good. touchdowns. Mm. What what bugged me too, and he ended up with seventy seven receptions, but it always felt like they were they were starting the year not throwing to him. And I'm like, dude, like, what do you do? You're keeping you're keeping Prescott in the pocket, and you're not throwing the ball. You're not checking it down to Zeke. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, right. I think that was a big part of their um, their start. But I'm looking at Mari Cooper. So he played nine games with them. So he must have been eight and two with them. I'm um, sorry, not eight and two, seven and two um, as a cowboy. And uh, showing okay. So we have uh, 53 receptions in those nine games. <laughs> Goodness mm, gracious! Wow, 725 yards, six touchdowns in those nine games with the Cowboys. That's a nice man. That's a nice connection they got building there. Yeah, I mean, he they brought him in and it changed everything, didn't it? Yeah, but let me let me throw some horror at you, Brad, and at uh, Cowboys fans listening to the show. So, um, you know, I was looking. I, I can't remember if it was the um, the over the cap guy or if it was um, Schefter or if, you know, it was one of the the plugged in football guys. They were asking what yep. the Dak Prescott extension is going to look like. I've heard thirty million a year. Oh no! Oof, oof, oof. That hurts, right? Because that defense is really what's winning them games. That defense and Zeke, right? That's not going to be good for Dallas, man. It's just not. Yeah, it's um, thirty mil. Ah, man. Yeah, I don't know. Ugh. That's yeah. That's rough. That's rough. That's that's to me a little bit too much. Unless you know, and Dak has to take the leap. That's a lot for any quarterback. That's a lot for twenty Aaron mil, Rogers. man. Eighteen mil. Yeah, that's hard, man. 
and and not to not to say, hey man, if you're Dak, go get the money. God bless you. You know, well, I mean, I, you you can't blame the guy, right? I mean, I would take it. Well, if I was Dak, I, honestly, I'd, I'd ask for I'd ask for maybe some incentives to make up for it. Is true, truthfully, because I would I wouldn't want to make sure that they'd be able to lock up Zeke. Um, man, you know, I see that 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 nut all over the TV, dude. You know, I don't know what he's <laughs> he's rapping these days, right? He's got yeah. like three different sponsors. You know, he sells gelatin and and <laughs> hair plugs. I don't know what you know. He's everywhere. I mean, don't you get enough money from that? <laughs> That's or a, I don't know. Still, it's it, it, it's hard for me to begrudge cool. that, man. I would I would take every money I could get. Yeah, and as a young man, and you may only get one contract, you never know, right? Right. You just never know. it. That could be the last one because anything happens. So, But uh, that being said, that's not going to bode well for Dallas. No, that's too much That's too much money. And even if you look at it as a percentage of cap situation, it's too much. This defense, man, is – this defense is pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good. Oh, yeah, and uh, you know they shut down. They shut down the Saints. They shut down a lot of teams. They're they're pretty freaking good. And um, you know, they, I think they beat the Seahawks in the playoffs too, didn't they? Uh, yes, they did. Correct. So um, yeah, and and we had both picked actually. We, we both we both picked the Seahawks. We actually won the um, the bet on that, but we didn't. We covered the spread, but we didn't actually win the pick. We thought the the Seahawks would win out right there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, interesting. Just kind of an interesting thought. But anyway, all right. So let's move it to uh, let's. I actually think the Giants are very interesting. So let's save them for last. Let's talk about the Redskins. Um, oh God. Yeah, we kind of knew it was going to happen going into the season, didn't we? What's What's the deal with Alex Smith? Is he coming back or is he mm. done, man? Well, I don't know if he's done for a career, but he's certainly not coming back um, this season. He's He's out. Really? Yeah. So um, when he did wow. it, so Brad, you remember? Um, I might have actually talked about this on the show. Do you remember right before I moved to uh, Chicagoland, um, I had that weird injury? Um, it's it's probably obscure. I don't know why you would remember this now I'm thinking about it. How arrogant of me for bringing something, some, something stupid Jesus. like that up. What an idiot. What the an world ass. revolves around you, apparently. It's Let's a, talk yeah. more about you. Okay, so please. Thank you, Brad, for the for that great segue back to me. Um, <laughs> no, but like I, ha- I had some nerve damage. Um and when I saw that, and the and the quarterback for UCF kind of went through some of the stuff. When I saw the Alex Smith thing, I thought, mm, uh, his nerves are screwed, and they probably severed some stuff in his leg, like some some like blood vessels and stuff. You got to get blood flow back to the leg. That's not something that you can easily you get. And so, like Smith had surgery for a while. Um, I don't think he got out of the hospital until January ish. What did he do again? Well, it was a really nasty leg break, um, yeah. but then he had, I think he had to get restored a blood flow a little bit. I could be wrong on that, but I do know for a fact that he got an infection while in the hospital too. That was oh, pretty boy. invasive. So it was like, it was one thing after another, but he's out now. He's like recovering, but they, the Redskins at first came out and said that he'd be back, but then they kind of admitted, no, he's, he's not going to be back. We need to make other plans. Um, so he's not going to be there. I mean, in, in 2019, we'll get to it when we do the previews and stuff, but it's basically Colt McCoy, maybe somebody like a Teddy Bridgewater they can afford, but they don't have enough cap space to go after Foles or anybody like that. And, you know, Smith's not a young man. I mean, he's got to be, what, 34, I think. I think he was 34 last league year, so I think he's 35 now. Yeah, because he came out with Aaron Rodgers, right? And Aaron's not a uh, puppy anymore either, so, yeah. yeah how do he's, you... in that, he's in that seven-plus-year formula. Yeah, No, no longer sure. a puppy. Yeah, no kidding, man. So, I, I don't know. I thought... Well, who did they put in after Alex Smith? Who so was that? Alex Smith, then it went to Colt McCoy, but then he got injured like the next game. So then oh, they went right. to Josh Josh Johnson. 
they brought back. Okay. And Mark Sanchez yeah. also uh, Mark Sanchez also got a start. Butt boy. Yep. <laughs> Unbelievable. What a what a murderer's row of quarterbacks. With his butt this year, you remember that? Yeah, yeah. He's um he's moving he's on up man. in the world. What a what a what a crap fest of quarterback, huh? So I'm, I, let me read through the stats. So Alex Smith, I mean, they were winning because the Redskins defense started out nasty to begin the year. They were they were really good. Um, Alex Smith uh, threw for in ten starts. 2,180 yards, which is 218 yards a game. Um, thank you. I went to math school. I can do that kind of division quickly. So 218 yards passing a game. Ouch. Math school. <laughs> I went to the math school. Um, math school. 10 TDs, one touchdown a game, um, five interceptions. Not so good. Six fumbles. That's not good, man. That's, That's not, not good, good at all. Uh, by the way, they only traded their best defensive player a third-round pick and extended him for like three or four years. So Maybe they can trade him to Oakland, lock him up with the Gruden, have the dream team, a bad contract. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think good things are ahead for Washington. No, it's so. tough because they because they locked that. And, and you know, it, it it's it's tough. And, and Washington, um, you know, Washington has, has always not been the best with their money. Um, you know, they never really have a lot they can do and they never really save for rainy days like this but like what would happen if like Aaron Rodgers god forbid got hurt or Tom Brady or anything well Tom Brady I think New England would be just fine but if Green Bay lost Aaron Rodgers you know for multiple years with a catastrophic injury they don't they pay Aaron Rodgers so much money they can't afford to get another Aaron Rodgers and you can't get you know um, I will say this though, Alex Smith. I mean, he was six and four, two hundred eighteen yards a game when they got uh, Josh Johnson in there. Josh Johnson um, was four four games, five hundred ninety yards passing, so even worse. Um, Colt McCoy, three games, uh, two games started, three total games, three hundred seventy two yards <laughs> passing. <laughs> Oh gosh! Yeah. Did Washington? Oh my gosh! Thirty-two hundred eighty-seven yards passing for the season and sixteen touchdowns. Holy Jeez. moly! Jeez. Holy Jeez. moly! Now look at this: Alex Smith's career record, and he's played on some bad teams, right? I mean, he is the quarterback, so he almost is the team in a way. But he is ninety-four and sixty-six. I mean, he does. He's a winner. He's a winner. He's not he does a loser. Win. He does win, but that those are like Tebow winner stats you're reading back to me, man. Like, I know they're not they're not the most impressive, oh, but man, but you can do a heck of a lot worse. For example, back to Jacksonville, if they got a guy like Alex Smith, man, with that defense, true, zing, true, and that and that was the winning formula for the 49ers when uh, when he was taking those teams on playoff runs before they handed it over to Kaepernick. So yeah, right. Yeah, man. I, he's hey. He took to he took the Chiefs to the playoffs a number of times. Could never really get over the hump. But uh, you know, he's a viable quarterback. But I just I did not know how bad those stats were. I'm shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at the so the running backs. And this is the thing with Washington too is that I don't know what the deal is. Um, so Brad, like during um, hard knocks, you probably forgot this by now, but they had this guy. Um, oh gosh, I can't even remember his name. It was a big offensive line coach. He was a funny guy. I think it was like Wyckoff or something. His name I can't remember. Uh, looked like a giant walrus, but he was making fun of all the players for stretching before practice. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. For Cleveland. Yeah, for Cleveland. Yeah. And yeah. so, like for for Washington, I kind of feel like they don't stretch because every year their entire their entire team gets hurt. This is the <laughs> second year in a row that they were signing bodies off the street to start at left tackle. 
Yeah. Like they've yeah. had they had like all five of their offensive linemen hurt two years in a row. And this team still manages to finish like six and ten, seven and nine. So I do think Gruden is actually a pretty good head coach in terms sure. of getting a lot out of his team. Like there's a lot sure. of talk about you know firing him and all that stuff. Yeah, they were seven and nine. And they're starting like street offensive linemen. Can you imagine? No. Uh, and and that quarterback point. situation. The quarterback situation. You had Alex Smith who was six and four with that, you know, that ability to pass. And then you had Colt McCoy, you had Mark Sanchez, you had Josh Johnson off the street, hadn't played for like seven years. Right. And they finished that's, that's seven and nine. Point. It's a good point. Yeah, I mean, there's, there were worse teams than the Redskins this year, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, now, I don't think it looks particularly great for next year, but this guy gets a lot out of the team. You, you sign Adrian Peterson off the street after their their apparent starting running back, you know, the guy they drafted blew his knee out. Um, he goes for 1,000 yards, you know, for the first part of the season, he looked like Spry Young AP, and then he kind of came back down to earth. I don't know. Now, if that what's was... the deal with Adrian Peterson? <clears throat> Adrian Peterson. Adrian is Peterson. He, is he coming back this year? Are they running him again? Well, I think he was on a one year, so I don't know if they're going to bring him back. The idea was to give the uh, the starting running back that that role to Darius Geis, the the stud um, uh, marijuana enthusiast from <laughs> from LSU. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, but you know, for every, every there was a lot of criticism on that guy coming out of college. I don't know. I mean, I think if I'm Washington, I I offered the guy a contract to come back because you know, again, you know, he did start well, but you remember I was just saying that the offensive line issues they were starting like you know, I think I think you were probably three or four injuries away from being called to start on that offensive yeah. line. <laughs> they heard nice. about your they heard about your uh, your your um, stretching techniques in Miami yeah. and are like, we got to get this guy, we got to yeah, get I this guy them, left guard. I know you could have pulled. Yeah, you I would have stunted. Big yeah. Dive. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, like, are they going to bring it back? I don't know. I would. Um, and if they don't, I would if I were another team because you know a thousand. Also. Yeah, a thousand yards, seven touchdowns. Um, he even got some. He even caught the ball. They didn't. You know, they never really used to throw him the ball. He caught the ball twenty to, twenty receptions on twenty six targets. That's not bad. I thought they used him very well. Yeah, man. And then Chris Thompson was kind of. You know, I thought he was going to be a, a nice uh, fantasy football sleeper for everybody. He was a pass catching running back, but he was injured. I mean, like this whole team was injured. They lost like yeah. all of their receivers. They lost their entire offense. Seriously, I think their entire offense has missed a game. Yeah, you may be right on that. So maybe the outlook isn't as bad as we think, but 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 the quarterback situation, that's that's never good. Okay, so I'm I'm looking through their stats, Brad. Seriously, their entire offense, one player started all sixteen games. It was Adrian Peterson. It's the punter. Oh, it was Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson was the only player on that offense to start all sixteen games. Wow. They had a reserve wow. tight end by the name of Jeremy Sprinkle play in all sixteen games, but mm. only start nine. And then nobody else. Josh Doxson was the closest with 15 games after that. Wow. That's wow. how ravaged the team was, man. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what's going on over there, man. I, I, I'm telling you, man. Like My bad. theory is that they don't stretch. And I, 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 I think you'd have a hard time arguing against me, given their track record the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm not going to argue. Yeah. Anyway. I'm not going to argue. All right, man. So the Giants, interesting team, I think, if I do yeah, say so Yeah, very myself. interesting. Um are they still going to go with Eli Manning? I mean, what? <laughs> Can you help me, please? Can you just help me? I, I just don't understand. Why? It's been like five years since he did anything worth keeping. The Giants, but, the Giants had the number two overall. You know how hard it is to get a quarterback. They had the number two overall quarterback or overall pick, and they were staring um, Darnold 
and Josh Rosen right in the face and said, you know what, let's take Saquon Barkley, who ended up being the rookie of the year, right? And I and, and I said this last year when it happened after the draft, all that stuff. I said, Saquon Barkley is going to be successful. Uh, my trepidation with him specifically was I didn't know if he, he could handle the load or if he was going to be a third down running back. I didn't know what was going to happen. He ended up being a very dynamic, handle the load type guy. Great for, great for the Giants. They got a very, very good perennial pro bowler. But there's no... There's no substitution for having that quarterback there, right? right. I mean, okay, so look, you, you had Saquon Barkley. He was amazing. But did that equal any success of a season? Not really. No, not at all. They started not one at and all. seven. I mean, it, it's some, some positions are just weighted heavier than the other ones, right? Yeah. And so even though you have the best running back or best rookie, it doesn't it didn't amount to anything. So sure not. Eli, man, what are they doing? Yeah, I don't know, and they have a high pick again this year, so they're you know they're talking about you know the ideas. Hey, maybe um, maybe the the Giants will invest in a quarterback this year. Well, if if they want to invest this year, they're probably going to have to trade up because they already had that opportunity last year. And it's so hard, it's so hard to get enough draft capital. I mean, you basically have to mortgage your future. You have to accumulate sure. picks and all that stuff. So now the the Giants they started one and seven, they finished five and eleven, which made them four and four to end the year. Um, they were playing teams tough. I mean, to end the season, uh, they played Indianapolis, Dallas, um, Washington, who, of course, they beat. They played the Bears. They beat the Bears. They played mm. the Eagles tough, um, as we talked about earlier. They, t- they handled business against San Francisco and Tampa Bay. So by the end of the year, they were beating teams they should beat, and they were playing really, you know, well-playing teams tough. Um, so I think this team has a lot to like going forward other than – Eli, I mean, is he going to be able to string it together for 16 games against an, in a division, mind you, that has Philadelphia and Dallas, two returning playoff teams? Yeah, well, it's not going to be easy for them, especially with a, you know, I hate to keep going back to it, but now he's a year older. Yeah. I, I, I don't see it getting better. I, I don't understand the, the reasoning. Yeah, I'm looking. So Eli, uh, 4,299 yards which is pretty nice, um, especially mm-hmm. after we were just talking about Alex Smith. Uh, 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Um, you would want more touchdowns, given the amount of yards. Uh, Odell Beckham was hurt. That's another thing, too, is Odell Beckham was hurt. I've always said this team is way different when Odell Beckham. It's not Eli Manning. It's Odell Beckham, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That Because Eli Manning is not the winner, right? It, I think Eli Manning make. I'm sorry, I think... Um, Odell Beckham makes Eli Manning into a more dynamic quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the rare, the rare instance of the receiver, I think, being probably the more important guy there. But yep, yep. Um, so, so the Giants had gone four and one in a stretch, and then Beckham got hurt, and then they finished zero and three to end the year against mm-hmm. some pretty good teams. But anyway, um, so Eli, yeah, I mean, he actually had decent stats, but not as many touchdowns as you'd want given that. So that to me means he's getting junk yardage. You know, if I'm looking at it from gambling, if I'm like crunching numbers, yeah, I mean, he's Eli Manning might be nice if you're in a in a league that pre- places a premium on passing yards, but mm. you're not getting you're not getting the value there. I'm looking at uh, him. He put the ball on the ground, fumbles seven times. That's not great for Eli. I'm looking at Saquon though. So 1,300 yards rushing, uh, 11 touchdowns. That's nice. 91 receptions. For 721 yards. Wow, wow. So he had over 2,000 yards as a player. That's not bad. Can we, can we admit it's not a great sign to have a running back catch 91, um, <laughs> 91 catches? I mean, that, that doesn't sound like a good thing to me. It's like one of those misleading, like, 
that that can't be good, no? Well, uh, let me let me counter argue for that. Would you? I I think you're coming through from kind of like um, you know, you're letting your Giants bias maybe come into a little bit because if if I was oh, telling possible. you that if I was telling you that Le'Veon Bell for the Steelers or Marshall Falk for the Greatest Show on Turf was catching 91 balls a year, you know, you'd feel a little better about that, right? I just don't think it. And you know what? I think I have to disagree with you, man. I don't think that bodes well for the way your offense is performing. I don't think you want your running back catching the most passes. Why is that optimal? You know, it's like Russell Westbrook gets 15 rebounds a game. Why do you want him rebounding the ball? <laughs> What's the point of that? Fair point. And I'm looking. He got 121 targets. Odell Beckham was the second high. I'm sorry. Odell Beckham actually had more targets with, out of 124 but less receptions. You know, the running back catching the ball, you're basically catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage or one to two mm. yards. So it's a dink and dunk kind of uh, uh, arrangement there. Um, yeah, man, agree. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a fair point. I, I don't I don't see it as, as big of a problem. I kind of see it as like, hey, man, he's a great weapon, and the Giants didn't have a lot of weapons. Yeah. Um, but I think that kind of feeds into your point with, you know, that's more of a, that's more of a symptom of a bad offense is when they're that's relying on something. That. That's what I'm thinking. It's a fair point. I mean, by far, Saquon Barkley was the MVP of that team last year. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they don't have any quarterback answer at, to this point on the roster, so that's a little difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's about it, man. You got any other, thought, any other thoughts about the NFL before we swing it over to Baseball Lama? I miss it. Yeah, I know, right? I just miss it. Well, it feels good talking about it, right? This is like the methadone. Yeah, it is. It's medicine for us. Sure, it'll get us through it. Yep. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate it. Same time, same time next week, and uh, you know we'll switch it over to baseball Lama now, Brad. Good talking. You too. All right, bud. Later. All right. So, baseball Lama, you there, buddy? I am. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. So, uh, Eric Zimmerman, my co-author from the 2019 Fantasy Baseball Almanac and Draft Guide, and for that matter, uh, you know anybody out there who's preparing for the Fantasy Baseball Draft, um, we are very well reviewed. You can read the reviews. Um, we are, uh, you know, highly rated, and we are less expensive than our competitors. And on top of all that, you get free off-season support, um, which basically means as as rosters get updated. Uh, we update the rankings for you, um, and we also give draft advice. You know, we have a lot of people that have different. You know, at baseball leagues, Eric, they're like um, they're like a snowflake. It's like everyone is has some kind of different um, you know setup or different scoring mechanisms. So we created this draft tool that is completely customizable. You can make it fit with your league, and if it doesn't fit in its current um, you know current format, you just ping me and uh, email me and ask uh, you know. Tell me what your details are, and I'll, I'll get a custom sheet you know, uh, set up for you. So it really is true uh, fantasy baseball and fantasy sports customized advice for you in your league, and it's completely free with the purchase of an almanac. I mean, you know, I don't know why anybody would purchase anything else, frankly, but I might be a little biased, Eric. What, what do you think about that? <laughs> uh, just a little, but I don't blame you. Yeah, worthwhile yeah. bias. Yeah, but you can see in the comments, you know, this will be the last little plug before we get into the cool content um, here, which we're talking about NL West. You can see in the comments on that if you go to Amazon or, um, you know, it's also available. We are mass distribution, so you can also get it like Barnes & Noble or, or where Books A Million if that thing still exists. I know it's online, but I don't know if there are any stores or whatever. Uh, but you can see in the comments on Amazon, um, you know, we, we really do back up what we say about that consulting service. Um, everybody's been uh, very happy with that. And it's something that we did for the Fantasy Football Almanac uh, last, you know, football season so you know we're not full of it i mean really just kind of check it out and you we don't have like um support or anything like that you're actually talking to me and eric um you know when you get that advice so we don't outsource any of that stuff but anyway enough of that 
Um, so, Eric, we're going to be talking about, last week we did uh, AL East. This week I want to do uh, National League West. And the reason I want to do that is because, you know, normally in my, you know, uh, obsessive compulsive way, I always like to go like AL East, NL East, you know, AL Central, NL Central. But we can't do that because I know the Phillies are probably going to sign Harper or Machado or something because they still have some money out there. Um, so rather than start with the AL East and we'll, or I'm sorry, the NL East, and maybe instead of going to the AL Central, where maybe the White Sox could sign Machado or something like that, uh, we'll just start in what I consider to be maybe a safe division um, in the NL West. So we're screwing around with the order a little bit, but want to talk quickly at a high level um, about you know some of the teams, some of the 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 uh, players that might be a little bit under the radar. Um, and I like to go alphabetical, and that's the way we have our almanac set up. So let's just talk a little bit about the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, who I think I continue to be a little bit surprised at how well they play. You know, they're they're kind of a they didn't make the playoffs last year, but you know they're a team with some pieces. Um, you know, obviously they have some pitch in there, um, and, uh, and they have some some valuable offensive talent. So what do you think at, at a high level? You know, where this organization is right now. Um. You know, I think they overachieved, overachieved quite a bit last year. Um, I, I had them pegged to kind of duke it out with the with the Giants for last place in the oh, division really? at this point. Um, you know, they've got some good pitching, though it's inconsistent. Ray doesn't seem to be able to put it all together every year back-to-back. Godley was great two years ago. Last year, very up and down. Um, you know, Weaver, they just acquired him. You don't really know what you're going to get out of him yet because he was good two years ago. And again, last year, not so much. Um, Granke's the only consistent force there in the rotation. The offense, it's David Peralta and a lot of what ifs. Escobar's solid, um, if not, you know, amazing. And Flores could break out. But it yeah, offensively, they worry me. Pitching, I'm not sure about them, especially depth-wise. So I don't see them coming close to what they were last year, especially after trading off um, Goldschmidt and letting Pollock leave. Right. Well, I, let me let me say this. So last week we kind of went uh, this route, and it was a little organic. But now I'm thinking this is actually probably a good way to to handle some of these um, some of these team updates. So so Eric, you and I are in a league. I inherited a team as I mentioned last week. I inherited a team that's bad, um, and famously I traded Verlander to you because you have a good team. And I traded Verlander for basically young up and coming pitchers because it's a dynasty league. We don't. It's it's not a full dynasty. We keep seven year to year. Um, but I didn't have anything on my roster. I had, I had an aging pitcher. I don't have any shot at the playoffs this year unless I outmanage people and pick up like a lot of, you know, basically sleepers to fill out my roster because the other rosters are strong in the league. Um, so I, I think, you know, coming from the perspective, Eric, of, of being probably one of the more dominant, it's you and another guy that have the dominant rosters in the league. And then me coming from the perspective of I'm trying to get younger and build a dynasty team. I think that's a good way to kind of look at this. So let me ask you for, for the Diamondbacks, um, it, it, you mentioned Granke is, is kind of your, your guy for the most consistent. And I look at him and I see 35 years old, he's probably not going to be a good long-term pitcher for me. Um, so I would tend to not that I would avoid him entirely because he still is going to have value for your team and value in trade. Um, but for me, he's not somebody I would prioritize maybe even over a Robbie Ray on the team. Who's a little bit younger, like you said, inconsistent, but me rebuilding a roster, I might look for and take a chance in some of these young inconsistent guys. So outside of Granky, is there anybody that, you know, you would look for, um, on your roster to draft and maybe fortify that strong roster of yours? You mentioned Peralta, um, anybody else? Peralta would definitely be a guy. Um, Escobar is kind of one of those guys where if you're really, really struggling to fill a slot, um, I, I don't think he's high enough quite on the 
on the rankings there for third base, um, though he does offer some good positional uh, versatility. Lamb's another guy that, if he could stay healthy, could have a breakout year. Um, he's got the you know, he's got the skill, he's got the talent, just hasn't really been able to get the chance or um, or you know really stay healthy when he did have a chance. So you know, I mean, there's a couple guys there. I, I honestly I like Flores a lot. I think if he gets a full shot at second base, you might be kind of looking at another Daniel Murphy type breakout when somebody gets right. away from the Mets. Because um, we've seen it, Murphy you saw it with Turner. We'll talk about him when we get to the Dodgers, but. Flores is another guy with a really, really good hitter um, that if he gets an everyday shot and goes to a place, especially in a hitter, hitter type park here in Arizona, he should have a shot to, to do something interesting. That's right. And um, so I, I, he's somebody that I kind of earmarked as well. He's 27 years old. Um, I have my, my particular roster is weak at second base. I don't have anybody there that can play. Um, and I don't think, you know, based on kind of my, my draft strategy going into it, I doubt I'm going to be able to land the second baseman, uh, you know, based on who I know is going to be in captain going to be out there. So he's somebody I'd be looking at maybe, um, you know, because we're in a keeper. So maybe in kind of the, the early, the late early rounds or mid rounds of our draft, um, just to try to fortify the roster, but we'll see. Let's move it on, um, to the next. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Before we get there. Uh, so I have Arizona right now at plus 1200 to win the division. So um, we have in order, we have Arizona, um, well, I should say in order. So we have the Dodgers at minus 200, so they're by far the favorite. Colorado at plus 325. Then you have Arizona um, in terms of the odds makers at plus 1200. And then San Diego and San Francisco are at plus 1400. But we'll get to this in a bit, Eric. But, uh, you know, you already kind of alluded to this. You're seeing Arizona and San Francisco fight for the seller. So you think San Diego is going to take a little uh, uptick. But we'll get to that when we move forward. Uh, okay, so let's move it on uh, to the to the next team here where you got the Dodgers, um, who's basically just loaded with talent. For me, you know, when I'm I'm thinking strategically, obviously, to rebuild a roster, I see a lot to like um, on this roster. I tend to like um, players on great uh, great offensive teams. I can say great. Um, you know, I know maybe the bats might have started slow um, in, in the past, but, uh, you know, there's just too much talent here. I already have Bellinger on my team, so I feel good about that. Um, but, uh, you know, we have... Uh, we have a lot of options to choose from, and if I'm trying to go young, there's good young players, there's good old players. Um, so what do you think, man? Um, I mean, first off, one of the guys that jumps out, obviously you mentioned Bellinger. Um, Justin Turner is one of the most consistent guys I've seen in the last several years. He just keeps hitting. Um, so he's definitely on my list, someone I'm going to be looking for. Um, Corey Seager, he's coming back, so you don't quite know what you're going to get back from him his first year back off of Tommy John surgery, which is rare for a position player. Um, but he should be able to come out there and, and be what he was. I don't, you know, I don't see anything that tells me he'll be otherwise. Um, Max Muncy, another really, really good one came out of nowhere last year for the Dodgers, mm-hmm. um, and should definitely be up on your board. And, you know, you have AJ Pollock who he always kind of concerns me. I don't draft him high mainly because I know he's going to miss time and putting him in the Dodgers team with so much depth and so many, so many good players vying for time that he's going to get a lot of time off, which to me is going to impact your uh, his value on your team, um, just because he won't be out there as a you know getting you know five to six starts a week. He'll probably be at a four start per week, maybe five on a good week if he's healthy. But um, I think you're going to see him get a little more time off there, so I think that impacts his value a bit. Um, you know, Jock Peterson, good hitter, but uh, horrible platoon splits, uh, splits, struggles with lefties, right. so it's right. kind of hard to get those guys on your roster. Yeah, and that's the thing with the Dodgers that does concern me is, you know, as I've been critical in the functional sportsaholic in the past, I mean, you know, you just get a lot of managing 
Um, you know, with the analytics and everything, you know, it, it's it, you want players that get played appearances. Um, you don't want guys that are going to be substituted in the fourth inning, you know, based on a matchup. And, and you get a lot of that with L.A. and, and some of the other teams. Um, moving on to the rotation, though, I know uh, you, you have Kershaw on your roster, right? I do. Uh, so that's Kershaw. Remind me who. So you have Kershaw. You have um, Verlander now since I traded him to you. Who else do you have on that ridiculously good roster of yours? As far as my keepers, I got Kershaw, Verlander, Sale. Also have Freddie Freeman, Acuna. <laughs> yeah, Sale. Sale is who I was. I was like, I know you have another big guy. So he's the number one pitcher yep. on our board. <laughs> yes. You know, both in category leagues and in um, and in uh, you know standard scoring leagues and all that. So, jeez. Anyway, uh, so yeah, obviously Kershaw is is great. Um, Bueller, I like quite a bit, and yeah, I know I think he's going to be kept. Um, you know, I don't have confirmation oh, yeah. on that, but I, I would imagine he he'll be kept. So, um, so he's 24. So I love him. I love the, uh, you know, maybe I'll trade for him after the draft or I'll try to anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, he's somebody I would have absolutely been targeting rich Hill for me. He's a little too old for me. Um, but what do you think about his prospects for a team like you or, or somebody who's maybe doing a one and done type league this year? Um, you know, unless it's an extremely, extremely deep league where you're filling spots, rich Hill, he's kind of more of a fill in guy for me. If, you know, I have an injury and I need to buy some time with, you know, for a week or so, get a spot start something like that he might be someone i take a look at but as far as drafting he doesn't doesn't quite ever do it for me in that regards there's enough other pitchers that um you know that you can pull in that you can use to fill out your roster that are going to do a lot more upside for you so i have another guy here who's uh who's on my board i I can't say he's high on my board but we have a a young stud 22 years old 2018's record is zero and zero four innings pitched one hit zero earned runs zero bases on balls seven strikeouts a 0.25 whip on this four innings pitched. How do you feel about uh, Urias? Uh, you know, love love the talent, love what he's got, but I don't know that he's going to get enough innings um, to really make him worthwhile. I think they're going to limit him pretty well. He might spend some time in the pen. He might get a few starts, and if he does, they might limit the innings a little bit here and there. Um, so I don't see him being like, hey, I'm out here every fifth day starting six to seven innings and going strong. Um, you'll probably be looking at as long as he stays healthy for more of a next year thing. So again, someone for you to look at if he gets a shot, you know, on teams that are rebuilding, like in your case, um, mm-hmm. you know, stack him on your roster towards yeah, the end I of have, the year. Believe me, I have no problem if he's, if he's pitching out of the pen for a year and they're, and they're limiting his innings. doesn't bother me because I'm kind of screwed anyway for the, uh, for the playoffs. And I'm happy to be <laughs> screwed for the playoffs, by the way. I, I, I need a high pick next year too. There you go. All right, so uh, let's move it on now. Um, the, this is a weird division for like again my OCD. It's like we get we we start with Arizona the A because we go alphabetical, then we jump all the way to L with the Los Angeles Dodgers, <laughs> and now we're into the S's already with the third team. It's just like uh, oh no, I must have missed Colorado, didn't I? That's you why. did, you did. Yeah, oh, what a turd I am. Um, let's go back to Colorado since I missed that one. Um, again, you know, they have a lot, you know, I had Blackman on my roster, but again, you know, in, in my efforts to get young, I traded him. Uh, I believe I flipped him, um, for, uh, basically Juan Soto out of Washington. I wanted the young guy. Uh, we have him statistically projected quite well. He's high on your tiered kind of eyeball scouting rankings, which obviously we, uh, we combine a little bit of that for our, uh, for our, um, purchasers, our customers of the Almanac, but the Colorado Rockies, uh, you know, look, you, you know, the, you, you know, the, uh, the environment, right? The ball carries there. Um, they have some, some exciting young pitching talent, one of who is on my roster now, but let's just go high level, Eric, you know, what do you think about the Rockies? Uh, you know, another team with, um, just a really strong offensive roster, um, and they're starting to finally find the pitching to go with it. Um, you know, as far as offensively though, you, you know, you noted Blackman, he's consistent, He's got some decent power numbers. He hits really well and he uses that field to his advantage. Um, love Arenado. 
one of the best players in the game, period. Um, you know, Desmond, he's too inconsistent from not even year to year, but from, you know, week to week, month to month for my taste. David Dahl, I think we have in there as one of our breakout candidates for the year. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking for him to take a big step forward. And 25 he's years old, right? Yep. Yep. Good young guy. Showed up when he was healthy last towards the end of last year and really kind of started to play, um, play well and do what was expected of him. Um, Trevor Story, another really, really good right. young player that's up and coming that finally put it together last year, cut down the strikeouts and just started just just mashing right along with Arenado. And then you got Daniel Murphy. And I'll say the same thing about him that I said about uh, about Turner. He just just keeps hitting um, really, really good player. And now that he's kind of playing a little more first base, he's less exposed defensively. And you take a guy who was a damn good hitter. Um, you know, in New York, really, really good hitter in Washington. And now you put him in Colorado and he jumped up in our rankings as soon as he signed with them. Yeah. And, and again, you know, going, getting back to the, the philosophy of being on talented offensive rosters, not only that, but he has lineup protection, right? Um, so he's going to get better pitches to hit. He's already a good hitter. He's 34 years old. So like for me, I'm just like, uh, you know, I might look, I'm not, I'm not going to go against um, Murphy, because again, you know, as you're building a roster, you can't just ignore old guys because you you can you can um, basically draft them and flip them um, later in the year. Uh, so you know he's going to be high on my list. I think he'll be available. Um, I could use maybe some depth at first base, as I think everybody in the world could. Um, so I, I I like him. I think he's going to do better um, than even statistically projected. I have a really good feeling about him. And like you said, story another an interesting um, component to to the rankings is you know conventional wisdom, right? If you if you kind of pull all of these other um, uh, I don't know rankers, or if you go to like fantasy pros and look at like average draft position, all that kind of stuff. The the conventional wisdom is Trey Turner in Washington is the superior shortstop, but I think you actually. Eric, you like Story a little bit more than Turner, is that right? Um, yeah, I mean, look, they're both yeah, they're interchangeable, right? And yeah, they really are. Um, for me, Story, he gets a slight edge a because he has a little more power, but also because he's in Colorado, so he's got half those games in you know place where the ball is just going to fly. Um, so his numbers are going to jump a little bit. So from a fantasy perspective, which is what we're looking at, to me, he's a guy I would grab a little bit earlier. Now, moving it on to the rotation. So, I mean, there's a lot to like here. You have Freeland, 26 years old. I liked him. I, I, I swung and missed for him. I tried to get him on my keeper league. I couldn't. I did, as part of that uh, big Verlander package that I got from you, Eric, I got um, uh, German Marquez, 24 years old, uh, doing well, really, um, you know, had had a nice end of the season last season. Um, so he's somebody that I'm, I'm hoping kind of takes a step forward. It does give me a little bit of pause, you know, pitching in Colorado, um, but you know, he's, he's kind of showing the right stuff. You got Tyler Anderson, 29. You got, um, um, the other guy, uh, uh gosh, Sensatella. <laughs> I can't, I can't yes. pronounce that name. Uh, 24 <laughs> years old, uh, John Gray, 27. So not a single starter on the rotation, uh, over the age of 29 years old. So nobody 30. Um, what do you think about Freeland? I know. And, and why don't you give your thoughts on Marquez? Because I know he's jumping up everybody's rankings, but I want to get your thoughts on him specifically. Um, because I think he's, he's somebody that could really take a leap this year. Yeah. Marquez, um, he really kind of figured some things out about mid season last year. And, and I actually picked him up, you know, off the waiver wire and he kind of carried me through into the playoffs, uh, and through to a championship last year. He was, he was great. Um, couldn't quite get my hands on Freeland who I'm really high on as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, both of those guys are going to form a, a really nasty one, two punch for Colorado, which as long as they get into the playoffs, which I would fully expect, will make them very dangerous this year with another year under their belt. Okay. And let's actually move it to the S's this time. Uh, talk about the San Diego Padres. Now, Eric, this is actually, 
uh, for us, this is breaking news because we recorded this, and then you called me right after we were done recording to let me know a uh, big piece of news dropped. So why don't you lay it on us? Yeah, it, it was actually quite funny. I called you laughing. Um, as <laughs> soon as we hung up, I checked my phone, and there it was. We talked about it, and Machado is now going on a 10-year, $300 million contract to the San Diego Padres. Um, huge for them. Smart move, in my opinion. Um, I know a lot of people are saying it's an odd fit because – they're not quite ready to compete, but they're going to be in the next year or two and they're going to have, you know, they've got enough farm system, um, you know, talent to carry on and to add to that. So he's a good young piece for them. Um, really smart. And I think he'll probably play shortstop this year and then probably slide over to third next year. But, um, you know, once uh, Tatis gets up there, so we'll see what they have planned for him. But big news there. And uh, one of the big fish go off the board. Yeah, and as we said, you know, in our first, uh, I guess, uh, go around and recording, but this is the first time the listeners will hear it, is, you know, we were saying that uh, San Diego, you were already, before the, this news, you were already assuming that San Diego was going to be in third place. I think this pretty much locks them in third place in this division, right? I would say so, barring just some kind of crazy, you know, jump where they even take a bigger step than anyone expects, but I don't see that uh that quite happening. They're not they're not going to overtake the pod, the um the Dodgers and in, in Colorado just yet, but they're going to make things interesting and uh you know, so now there's going to be a lot of people throwing money at, at Harper now. Yeah, and it's interesting. So the um because we were we were anticipating as we mentioned kind of to start the show and again, this is a re-record for this particular um team, this particular segment. We were expecting Chicago um and Philadelphia to to be in the mix, heavily in the mix for um for Machado, basically, and for for Harper, and so now only one of those teams, Chicago or Philadelphia, will be able to land Harper, which actually helps his bidding. Right, you know, he's going to have more teams bidding over his services. Uh, good for Machado just to take that three hundred mil. I know he could have held out for maybe three twenty from somebody, um, you know, but he was the first to blink in the salary negotiation, and hey, he gets thirty million dollars a year, not a big deal. But you know, back to the Padres. So I was looking at this roster; they have a lot of up and comers coming in. You know, other than uh, I think, other than gosh, who is it? I'm looking every other than Ian Kinsler, uh, who's thirty seven. They don't have a single basically starter on this roster uh, above the age of I think twenty nine. I mean, I think they they have a ton of young talent coming in. Um, Eric, you already think that they are on their way up as a, as a franchise. And I guess that's the fruits of when you start, you know, when you've not tanked, but when you've been so bad for so long, you can kind of accumulate this talent and now they're starting to promote the talent. But, you know, outside of Machado, who's the obvious early draft pick, do you see anybody on your roster worth, uh, worth jumping on? Um, you know, it, there's some interesting pieces. There are, um, there's not a ton, but Will Myers is one that, you know, he's, He's got the talent. If he kind of bounces back, he could have a good year. Um, Margot is another one who could take another step forward after a down year. Um, young kid that, that has some talent. You got uh, you know a couple of their outfield options: Renfro, Cordero, uh, Cordero, Reyes. If they get the time, could be interesting. Um, I've never been a big Hosmer fan. Uh, to me, he he just doesn't provide enough value fantasy wise. Um, he's a good just piece on the roster. He's a good hitter. Um, he'll be a nice compliment to the team as they go forward, but I don't think as far as fantasy wise, he offers much. Um, so yeah, you know, on the offensive side, there's a couple of guys that are more worth watching than drafting. Um, so for me, yeah, the only guy that would be a draft pick would be Machado. Otherwise it's more just kind of keeping an eye on things. So let's move it on to San Francisco now. Um, you know, like, you know, 
no surprise here based on, uh, you know, what we've been talking about before, but, you know, we're expecting San Francisco to have another kind of tough year. Uh, Posey will be back. He's on my roster. I'm going to let him go. Um, I'm not going to be able to keep him. I don't have the, the roster spots anymore uh, for him, but I think he'll be a pretty decent catcher. Um, 32 years old. He's on the wrong side of 30 for me and what I'm trying to do with my roster. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm looking through trying to find something that interests me. Um, on my roster, and I'm not seeing, a, again, a lot to be excited about. I was trying, you know, I was interested in Bump Gardner. I just think he's, you know, he's a good pitcher and everything, but he needs support behind him. Um, you know, I'm not into Samarja. I'm not into Rodriguez. Um, so I guess from your point of view, do you see any fillers? Um, I guess Posey would be the obvious one, but who else on your team, you know, has a chance to crack your lineup in the draft? You know, there's, there's not a lot looking at this team. Um, definitely Posey, as you said. Um, he's someone that, you know, he might take a slight step back on the rankings just because he's not going to get every day. They're going to take it easy with him early on. He'll get in there and be the everyday catcher, you know, as the summer goes on. But first couple of weeks, he'll probably be, you know, take, you know, two games on one game off just to keep him healthy. Um, obviously, Bumgarner, I think he's going to have a, a solid bounce back year. Um, and I say bounce back, even though he was really good last year anyway. Um, Derek Rodriguez might be, you know, the quieter option. Um he had a really, really good stretch when he first came up. He got hurt and came back and was just okay. Um, so it's really dependent on what he is. He's not a guy I'm going to draft unless it's a super deep league. But he's going right on my watch list. And if he kind of pulls out to what he was when he first came up last year with the Giants, he's someone, you know, snatch up real fast. Um, so he's an interesting guy. He never quite was what he showed early on when he was in the minors. So he came up and kind of came out of nowhere and really, really looked good. Um, I rode him actually on my team for a good month or two until he got hurt. Um, and he really kind of brought me back from the dead. I think I started last year about three and three and then kind of took off from there um, and never looked back. Very good. Um, so I, I guess that, that kind of concludes for the, uh, you know, for the little fantasy side of things. But I want to get back to the gambling side. Um, so it, it's safe to say right, Eric, that you would pick the Dodgers in this division to win the division? Yeah, I mean, they have they just have such enviable and, and ridiculous depth on their roster. They can survive the inevitable A.J. Pollock to say, uh, sorry, injured list. Let's go ahead and just and change that in our terminology as well um, when he inevitably goes there because he will. Um, and they can survive that easily. They can slide Bellinger to center. They can put Verdugo in right. They've got so much depth on all these things. If Turner got hurt, Freeze is right there. Muncie can slide over. Bellinger can take first. Um, second base, Chris Taylor is a guy I've really liked. Um, but if he gets hurt or doesn't, or they want to alternate and um, platoon him and Rodriguez or Hernandez, excuse me, Enrique Hernandez, they can do that. They just have so much depth. They can survive not just one, but multiple major injuries and still be one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, very good. Now, is there a scenario where Colorado can overtake the Dodgers is there anything oh. because it, Colorado's at plus 325 right so if you want to throw like 10 bucks down um you know to win 30 or something like that like what give me a scenario where that could happen really it's it's not that uh it's not something that's not plausible um it's not you know it's it's a very very um good chance that that could happen um they have a great offense and if Freeland and Marquez Marquez take those steps forward that are expected and become those front of line rotation guys they can now compete with um, you know Kershaw and Bueller over in in, in L.A., they've got uh, Anderson and Gray. Who, if you know, they can get consistent and really come back out, they've got those options. So if their rotation holds, 
they can really hang with anybody because they've got the offense to do it with Arenado, with Story, right. with Murphy, with Blackman. I mean, for God's sakes, if you start your your game and you walk in there and the first four batters you face are Blackman, uh, Story, Arenado, and Daniel Murphy in some order, yeah. I'd be horrified if I was a pitcher. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want anything to do with it. And that's kind of how I feel if you look over at Atlanta, though they don't have the depth. If you go in there and you start a game with Acuna, Josh Donaldson, Freddie Freeman, those top three guys, that's scary. They don't have that fourth guy like Colorado does, which you know adds to it. But you know, offensively, they're going to score some runs. Brendan Rodgers should get a shot at some point in the summer to take you know take over second base and add to that. Um, so yeah, they're they're a good team. Um, whether their bullpen, you know is the closest thing to a question I have. Davis wasn't his usual self. So that's where the question would come in. But um, I don't see it as a very far-fetched scenario that they could, you know, hang with the Dodgers up, right up to the end or even overtake them. It, it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Very good. Well, I think we'll save the, uh, the NLCS and the, you know, the LCS and the world series uh, predictions, which I know we kind of got into last week um, when we were talking about the AL East and your love for the uh, the Red Sox. Well, I shouldn't say the love, but your prediction. You like the team makeup. Um, I know you don't like the teams, but you li- um, your respect, let's say, uh, for the Yankees and the Red Sox and their talent. So, um, yeah, we, we can leave it there. Do you got anything else for uh, for the listeners before we sign off? Uh, you know, just uh, keep an eye on those uh, on those waiver wires. Um, you know, you, you got to figure Harper is going to be. Or I'm sorry, not waiver wires. Excuse me. The uh, the Twitter feeds. Um, Harper's got to be signing someday soon um so it, it should be interesting to see where he goes how much money chicago is now going to throw at him to try to get him there whether philadelphia is just going to bid against themselves and throw out their 350 400 million to try to persuade him there um there could be some young you know some sleeper teams in there that we're not aware of making a play so it, it's going to start to pick up there on that front now especially with machado off the board a lot of that focus is going to turn to him so it should be interesting and uh who knows? We could have some surprises next week when we start talking again. Very good. I'm hoping that we don't, um, you know, log off and then have Harper sign the next time you check your phone, like what, what happened with Machado to us earlier today. Uh, but if it does, hey, that's great for us so that we can, uh, you know, update, finally give those, uh, you know, that big ranking shift in our updates that we've been um, um, expecting to make for our readers uh, that are consuming our our free content, you know, our free off-season advice um, and, uh, and rankings updates and everything. And then also, you know, update the Almanac itself because we keep that current. We update it every couple of weeks. Um, so I know we'll, uh, we'll be pushing out another update, I'm sure, this weekend, if not before. So uh, with that said, everybody, you know, hopefully uh, you're uh, you're very uh, preparing very well for your fantasy baseball drafts. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for some futures, Eric and I have been talking about that as well. I think probably next week we'll talk about NL... No, you know what? I think we'll talk about the uh, the AL West next week um, as we continue to try to wait out this uh, Harper situation, and uh, we'll go from there. So, everybody, thank you. Thanks for listening, and uh, go out, get paid.